the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. And welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that drinks wine, eats pasties and knows things. And on the show this week, we break down the transfer window and ask, are Wanderers strong enough? It's double W against Derby and Salford, so both games are reviewed. We hear from Luke Matheson as he presses the reset button after a tough two years. We listen to a trailer for the very latest Bolton Wanderers blockbuster. All that in the Bolton Wanderers podcast that shows red cars first and watches video replays later. The Buffet Hello and welcome to 0204, the Bolton Wanderers phoning show with absolutely no quality filter. Our first caller is Clive, and you are a tripe chef from Doffcocker. Clive, I believe you've got something you want to get off your chest. I'm sick to death of the mainstream media papering over the cracks and pretending that Bolton deserve to be second in the league. You don't think they do, Clive? They've won four of the first six games. Oh, yeah, but they didn't beat Wigan, though, did they? No, quite true. Played poorly against Wigan. And that's exactly my point. If they just decide to beat all the other teams, your Derbys or your, your Cheltenhams, your Lincolns, your Fleetwoods, and then they lose to Wigan and maybe take a point against Burton, where are they going to end up? Second. Well, exactly. But they won't have beaten Wigan. OK, well, thanks for that, Clive. On to our next caller. It's Darren, who is an investment banker from Tong Moor. Uh, a friend of the show, Darren, I believe you've got a point about our wingbacks. Wingbacks? Where are they? You tell me. Uh, Josh Dacus Cogley, Randall Williams, Zach Ashworth, Luke Matheson, Geffen Jones? No, not good, not good enough, not good enough. Well, who would you have signed on deadline day then? Well, I wouldn't have signed anyone. I, I wouldn't have even let Dean Moxie go. That's, that's where the mistake was made. Dean Moxie? I'm not even sure he's playing anymore. Actually, no, my producer's just said that he's playing for Torquay United. Well, he's not even getting in their team. He's 37, Darren. Ah, no, no, no. But when you think about it, all the criticism he got, all the mistakes he made, all the times I called in to say he's rubbish and that he should be playing for Burton Albion, for me, he starts above Williams, he starts above Ashworth, he starts above Dacus Cogley. For me, he should be in the technical area instead of Ian Everett. Darren, did you just call without thinking about a point that you were trying to make again? Well, yeah, but, but it makes a good TikTok. Thanks, Darren. Speak again next week. Okay, it's time to introduce a man who likes Elias Kachunga a regular amount. It's Henry Hewitt. <laughs> <laughs> He's all right. I, I watched him the other night. He came on against uh, Reading for Cambridge. I tell you mm. what, I, I, I texted my dad, actually. I said, with these, I went watching Reading. I thought, these are crap. I, yeah. and, but then expecting in, two, in well t- a week as it is now, it will be Reading 1, Bolton now. Never been a, a happy hunting ground, Reading. Um, but you never know. They did No, I'm, I'm with you, though. They didn't look like any great licks against Cambridge. Neither of them did, to be truthful. It was a, it was a pretty dull game. But, oh, yeah, Mr. Kachunga, uh, I think he's started once out of five games for Cambridge. So, you know, uh, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, winning week for Bolton. That's more important. And finally... You know, beat again. Well, even Ian Everett made reference to it. Finally, beat a direct contender and did it playing kind of Bolton's way as well. So big, 
big hurdle negotiated potentially against Derby. Yeah, as a city now in um, in Swinton, you can still hear on the uh, uh, in the air the uh, <laughs> moans from Derby that are still going wow. on, um, even though it's what is it six seven days now since the incident. But um, yeah, it's um, it was a big win, and I, I think for me, obviously, yeah, you you've got to say it, Bolton Rover look at times. You know, you always ride your luck when uh, the opposition goalie gets sent off and then you get a, a questionable penalty. But mm. um, I think on the whole, Bolton deserved to win. When Dar- Derby scored, it was against the runner play. Mm. And Definitely. I think what, then obviously after after the goal, it was mainly Bolton. And then they, they had the last five minutes, but that was it. So I think on the whole, Bolton played very well. I don't know about you, Mark, but because uh, I listened to, uh, it was the assistant, uh, the lad who was at Berry, what's he called? Paul Warren's Rich- assistant, Richie Barker. Richie Barker, yeah. He did the po- uh, pre-match interview, and he said about Bolton. He said, "Oh, we like to press you, and and we're ready for that." And I, did, I just, I was a bit disappointed with that because I thought he just kind of sat off Bolton a little bit. It was as if they came and went, "We're going to hit you on the." the counter-attack, and mm. I don't know, I expected a bit more from Derby, but I mean, I wasn't complaining because Bolton won, but I think we deserved to win. It wasn't a smash and grab, so that gives me confidence. Yeah, they, they were the better team in the first half, Bolton, without a question. Like you said, the game, the goal did come against the, the run of play. I couldn't really tell straight away what it was given for, but it looks like I'd be a joke barge somebody at a corner. I reckon there could have been 10 penalties in that game if you were going to give that every single time. Yes... And Bolton obviously got themselves level. I don't know that there's anything debatable about that penalty. I think it was just inside, but that's that's my. I know the I know the Derby fans have moaned. My word, the Derby fans. Have, I mean, I reckon they're still moaning that Kenny Kenny Davenport was offside in 1888. I think that's. I mean, talk. Just let it go, guys. Let it go. For me, they were disappointing. They weren't as high energy as I thought a Paul Warren team normally is. It looks like he's kind of trying to recreate what he had at Rotherham with the the physicality at the back and, and the kind of the really high energy midfield. But I am with you. I thought they were a little bit turgid for the first 50 minutes and then obviously ended up with 10 men. They played better for me and defended better when they had 10 men. And, and then in the last five minutes at Bolton, well, last 10 minutes probably, I think Bolton lost their way a little bit, got a little bit nervous and thought, oh, crikey, if we if we... If we scupper this now, we're really going to look daft against 10 men. And then they sat further. I mean, you brought in, you had Cameron Jerome coming on, for example, a a striker who spent about 90% of his time in his own penalty box heading stuff away. I mean, how it got that bad, I don't know. But overall, a really good performance. Yeah, yeah, it it was. And I think, I mean, the game changed at the sending off, obviously. and, And you could... For me, as frustrating as it was just after that sending off, seeing Bolton just pass the ball around the penalty area, Ian Everett has said before why they do that, and that's to tire out the opposition, which mm. uh, mostly does work. I thought credit to Derby that they didn't tire out. I don't know whether that was because we kind of got a goal quite early in that. I think it was only five or six minutes of, of passing it around the area until we scored. but um, And then the game changes again. But if, if we'd have been doing that for 10 or 15 minutes, the fans would have been irate but they might have been more you know got more tired but um no i think it was just a typical bolton way we let's face it and this isn't just this team this is any bolton team really we we apart from probably sunderland we 
when we won six 0 We don't mm. really turn the screw. We don't really go on and score four, five, six goals in that sort of game. Some teams would have done. We don't. So we were always going to win two one, and it was always going to be nervous at the end because that's the Bolton Wanderers way. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I think uh, your friend Dara might remember a, a game. Um, <coughs> well, Peterborough yeah. says clearing his throat. Um, yeah, I mean, look. I don't think there's any question now as as we look back at replays from a, an infinity number of angles that Derby have provided uh, that uh, that Joe Wildsmith didn't handle the ball. My instant reaction was that he did. I'm miles away though. The, the referee was the uh, opinion that counted with the linesman as well. It's happened to Bolton. We've overturned red cards and, and obviously the Derby red card has been overturned rightly as well. So, you know, you jog on, you move on, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, and I think it's important for people to remember, and it's the same, we, we kind of said this about the Wigan game, as disappointing as it was, but the football, football basically restart. it restarts every week, it restarts every season, mm. so you have got to look at it on a season, you know, basis, and, and Derby fans will be frustrated about the weekend, but if if they win the next game and we lose, then suddenly it, it actually goes back to where it was mm. two weeks ago. So it doesn't matter, you know. And I, and I think I know it's a cliche, but it evens itself out. We'll have uh, games where we'll probably lose one nil at some team we don't deserve to lose that, and it's the referee's fault. Just as much as as we played well, you know, you 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 do look at it on the facts and the facts that that red card has been rescinded. It's it's. You know, we probably rode our luck a bit, but mm. it is what it is. It's managing the meltdowns, I think. I th the, the longer I go on in this job, the more I realise that it just is more about a successful team doesn't let the, you know, the molehill become the mountain. And it, Bolton, and, and I, I dare say this is the same for everybody thinks your team is the worst at the particular thing, but they're not necessarily. But there is always a savage reaction, particularly to a, to a result like the Wigan one. And it, it's right, and, and people are right to point out some of the flaws that that occurred in that game and some of the ones, the, the trends that we've seen over longer. There is still a question mark over if a team were to put it on physically in Bolton's midfield and really press them, have they got enough to do that regularly? I think against Derby, they showed they can do it. They can play their way. They can play out of trouble. And that's the impressive thing. Now, it's now about doing that consistently because more teams will do it. There is still a, there is still a way of sticking it on Bolton. Um, you know, one result isn't going to change that. Uh, but I think th they, they need to continually learn, don't they? And, and just pick out the good bits from Derby and then, and then take that on. Um, so midweek, of course, back to the EFL trophy, the competition, of course, that Bolton won back in April, glorious day at Wembley, and what a great start! What a great start! Very simple, strong team, three nil win. Jobs are good. It was. Uh, I didn't see uh, the first seventy minutes. It was my first NCT class, um, so I was busy uh, learning about breathing techniques and looking at images of, of babies being born, which has scarred me a little bit. Ahead Just in of... case anybody was wondering why your voice is a bit shaky today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I didn't know the score. I didn't know the team. So when I got home, I'd, I'd, I watched the last 20 minutes and it was it was nice to turn it on and uh, and see it was 3-0. Um, all I'd got is a text off my dad who was there saying, pick that one out. And that was at like 7.46. So I assumed that they'd scored a good goal early on. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, watching the highlights back. It's it's you know we had this discussion, didn't we, a few weeks ago of how how the Bolton see the EFL trophy this year? Because I did see a few comments saying that um, you know it, we've already won it. Let's concentrate on the league. But as as much as I agree with that, I think when you look at it in context, I think the because the, the game you get one game pretty much every month until April. It's mm. not really a it's not as if you you you, you know. For me, it doesn't disrupt things as no. as much as other competitions. And then, you know, I think at some point we are obviously going to have to lose if we're not going to win it. And I just can't bring myself, even on Tuesday, I know people would would say I'm not that bothered if we lost. But I was like, no, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose any game. <laughs> so I guess in that sense, I really want Bolton to win it. But um, but no, it was a good start. And Salford, they had a few players you know, on the bench and missing, but they're a decent team. And, um, you know, I think the, the fact that we're beating teams like that 3-0, the Stockport game will be a, a challenge as well. So I think it's, it, we're showing that we are a top League One team. The fact that a league, a, a decent League Two team come and we, we played them off the park, it's, uh, mm. I think it just shows us where we are. As, as much as the Middlesbrough game showed us that we're, we're probably a bottom championship team and we're going to have to improve to get to their level, I think it shows that we've got no danger of, of going to League Two again anytime soon. No, it's a good point, actually. I, I think Salford played some good football for me. I thought they tried to to keep it as a football contest. They they played some decent stuff. Were a little bit unlucky at times when they uh, they they got the ball into the Bolton box. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the fact that they can make those changes, have the likes of Dion and 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 Owen Toll and and Josh Sheehan away and not playing bring in, you know, the so-called second string. I think that's the value for me, that competition is, it is one game a month and it's enough to keep the the players that are not starting every week, it's enough to keep them sweet, it's enough to keep them firing. Now, I mean, we can, we can you could probably say that Unlundaloo and, and Bud Varsen who started the game up front were the ones most in need of that and neither of them got on the score sheet. I think, Bob Varson, for me, does look a bit rusty at the moment. I think he's still finding his way. And Lundaloo looks in great, great shape. He's everywhere. He's, run, he's running around like a, a blue-ass fly. But he's not, he's not got that composure yet. I think he needs to settle down. He needs that one big moment or that goal that's going to settle him down and say, right, look, you're here for a reason. Just, you know, just go with it. I think he's in a bit too much of a rush uh, to, to try and get things done. And I... Yeah, that's that's maybe a character thing. That's maybe just the exuberance of youth. I don't know, but I do hope it happens for him uh, because he's uh, he's got something that I, I will stand by it. I, I still think he can be a good player. He just needs that little stroke of luck. I think. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I, I think um, he showed it in Morley's goal that he the ball got caught under his feet, and then he's trying to do too much. You yeah. can tell he's he was trying to do too much to get it out of his feet and get a shot. When I mean, he may have. I, I don't know. Obviously, we get one angle of it. He may have been able to shoot first time or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I sense that at the moment because he's, you know, these players aren't stupid, and you can sense that the fans are kind of. I, I think the fans have similar opinions at the moment of Unlundaloo and Jerome. The difference is Jerome's old enough and doesn't. I don't think he cares as much. He's, you know, he's mm. he's too old to care. Whereas Unlundaloo does, and um, you know, I, I can understand the fans' frustrations because. Um, you know, obviously, you never compared him to Ivan Tony last year, and I think there were glimpses last year, but now 
there's more pressure on him. It's like you can show glimpses on loan, but now it's like, right, you are playing, you are playing for three years, so you need to start showing stuff now. Mm. Um, because, again, it, it's if he doesn't and we do get promoted, we're, we're going at a faster rate of what than Daniel Underloo. So then there's a decision that needs to be made. Um, but I, I think there, there has been glimpses, but I, I agree with you. He just needs that one goal. And I, I think in the same way as what we said about Kachunga last year, I think he will get his goal and it'll come in a big moment and suddenly he'll be a hero and that'll give him the confidence to hopefully go on. You know, I think Adebayo was in a similar situation and he's got, he's had a few moments of the start of a year and that helps him relax a little bit. So I'm sure it'll come from London. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird psychology being a being a striker, I have to say. And, and you know, Dion Charles has been through through spells where he hasn't scored and people start start questioning him and then those questions go away. So it's about keeping those kind of consistent moments that you can and, and getting goals where you can. So, yeah, good luck to Dan and Lundaloo. OK, it's time for a clips montage because last week... I did a 17 and a half hour live blog to bring you all the action from deadline day. So I'm going to compile all the good bits from that 17 and a half hours into one montage. And that's the end of that. Uh, that didn't take long. That was actually played in real time for you, Henry. So what did you make of it? What a day. What a day. That'll be, you'll remember that day, Mark. You'll remember it. For, uh, having to do a, a signings World Cup uh, and keep yourself busy. Um, all for, what, two departures at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, it's. I think we all we all knew deep down that Bolton weren't going to have a busy deadline day, but mm. my word, I thought it was going to be a bit busier than what it was. <laughs> it was, it was a, a really, really. I mean, like you say, the signings World Cup, which, by the way, we're down to the semi-final stage. Uh, the draw will be live on Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> actually, we should do the draw live on the buff. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the, the draw live on the buff. I just need to remember which four. Uh, which forties? I'm gonna do. This is in real time. We're gonna do this now. Um, um, I'm gonna be like Rod Stewart, and I'm gonna reach into the, uh, reach into the the velvet bag. Um, right. Okay. So we've got JJ Akocha qualified. Uh, Stelios, who I thought was a bit of a surprise, um, to be honest. Uh, Kevin Davis, and was it Fernando Hierro? Oh, no, it was uh, Ivan Campo. What, the four what a plus... five-a-side team that would be. You don't even need a fifth member. I mean, imagine sticking Yossi in goal as well for a five-a-side team there. That'd just be amazing. Okay, so I've got... It's a, it's a random generator. So I've, I've put the four players in. Um, so, oh, well, I'm just going to generate it. This is this is quite exciting. I hadn't, This isn't even in the running order. We're, we're living off the seat of our pants, Henry. Um <laughs> Oh, well, here we go. The first one out the hat is JJ Akotcha. And uh, he would say he's the favourite. I, I, I think he is. I think he is. And he has been drawn against Ivan Campo. At home. Like a... JJ at home to Ivan Campo. Never an easy God. place to go, JJ. That's like a, a Liverpool v Man City semi final. Some would love to have seen that in the final. Absolutely. I think uh, a lot of people were predicting that would be the final, but that leaves Stelios to take on his big mate, Kevin Davis, at home, presumably in Greece. Um, wow. I mean, history has been made here. The first live draw on the buff, and it's the Summer Signings World Cup. 
Yes, and uh, if the EFL Trophy are watching, then we are available to do the next draw. They have, <laughs> they've done it in weirder places than a Bolton Wanderers podcast. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have that. I'd be quite. Did you ever see the the old clip of uh, Saints and Greavesy, which is well before your time, where Donald Trump did the Rumbelows Cup draw? Um. Yes, I have. Yeah. It, uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, or you need to refresh, you should have a look at it. It was it was bizarre. Not. I mean. The idea that Donald Trump made a cup draw is bizarre. The idea that Donald Trump didn't know what Rumbelows was is also bizarre. Uh, well, obviously. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't really know what Rumbelows. Rumbelows used to rent tellies and uh, and videos, VCRs, oh, right. and okay. Betamaxes. Um, <laughs> I'm just using right. words that you don't know what they are, aren't I? So I, I, let's let's yeah, move yeah. on. Let's move on. I know what, what telly is, Mike. <laughs> oh, do we still have television? I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, right, we. We promised uh, a thorough, thorough review of the transfer window. So one last time, a bit of transfer rumour, gossip consumer. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. Brought to you by my second cousin, who works for Tills in a well-known supermarket. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. Say one last time until January, probably. But the summer window has now closed. And so me and Henry are going to ask a few questions. We're going to look a little bit deeper into the squad. Um, and the big question, I suppose, right at the top of it is, is are Bolton Wanderers stronger than they were at the end of last season? Because that was that was the ultimate aim for Ian Ever. Obviously, James Trafford and Connor Bradley wave goodbye released the likes of Kachunga and Dixon and Isgrove uh, and Kieran Lee. The squad, as it goes into this season, is it stronger? And actually, does it need to be stronger to be able to get promotion? Um, I think, as I said before, take Trafford and Bradley out because they are anonymously because they're not our players. They're on loan and they're from Premier League teams. But you take them out, I think there's no doubt that we are stronger. Um is out of a list you just gave of players that left, I probably have. There's only Kieran Lee, I think, who was was really good enough for this next stage. But then again, you're not going to get realistically how many games you're going to mm. get out of Kieran Lee. So um, I, I think we are stronger. You you know you look at the players we've brought in. I think Nathan Baxter will be a good goalkeeper. I think he's still finding his feet, but he's shown glimpses. Obviously, Dacus Cogley's done well. Mm. Forrester looks good. Um, you know, Mendes Gomez and Magoma, I think, are quite similar where they're just finding the feet. We might, They might come into their own. A bit like JJ did in his first season. They'll come into their own in the second half of the season. Um, and we've just spoke about Unlundaloo. And uh, Ashworth, had, yeah, Ashworth looks all right, I think. And he's... Um, you know, he's someone who is on loan, isn't he, with a view to a permanent deal. Yeah. So, again, it might be that he does enough this year to, to show that he's a player for the future and, and then comes in the summer. So, I think, um, and as as well, I think, uh, I mentioned Joel Coleman as well, I think he's looked a, a suitable understudy. But um, I think the, the, the thing is, is that none of those players, apart from Magoma, but none of those players really are on loan. They're all our players. And I think that was important, is that, the great thing about Trafford and Bradley and how brilliant they were, but we've got nothing from that. 
we've not mm. got any money for. The city have made 19 million on James Trafford, with, and he's played for us. You know, like, um, so I think the, these guys being our players was a major for me. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that, and I think they are trying to build a squad based on you know players they they own. Um, Magoma being the only uh, exception in this lot. Um, I mean, whether they're strong enough, I'd, or whether whether they're stronger, I don't think they necessarily need to be. I think they just need to be more consistent. I think the the sum of the parts can be greater than than when there were a couple of superstars in in the likes of Trafford and and uh, and and Bradley. I think. The players who were in the team, and I think this is a point you made, so I may just be copying you here, but like in an earlier podcast, but the players who were here have have got to have shown they evolve and and, and go, you know, and, and improve towards being championship players. And I think that is happening on a, on a few occasions. I think that some of the players, Sheehan, for example, has come back and he's, he's stepped up. He's done enough now to get back in the Wales squad and he's looking like a player who can start games and he can, you know, he's, he's, best, he's the best he's been as a Bolton player. Uh, Adebayejo, again, he's he's moved on from where he was last season, which, I mean, he had to, obviously, but he looks a better player now. Dion, definitely a better player. H- having had a full, a good season last year, he looks now like a player who could easily play in the championship. Uh, there are a few others that need to come on more. I think Santos has had a good start personally, but you know we've we've talked about Jones and and Iredale and Morley, and there's a few that are still need to to maybe have that moment and to to look like they're going to uh, going to push on. But I think it's quite encouraging. I think the the mean average, the uh, you know is is higher uh, than um, than it was last season. So yeah, there. There are a few. There are a few places still where you wonder about squad depth, and we can talk until the cows come home about uh, defensive midfielders. Whether MJ Williams, of course, who, who you'd add to that list that left. Whether there's anybody with the physicality that he's got, um, probably not. And there's the open debate about the strikers. Has anybody got twenty goals in them other than Dion Charles? At the moment, Adebayo Joe seems to be you know on course for that, but. Yeah, it's 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 not it's it's a nuanced argument. It's not cut and dry, and then we won't even know until the next May. We're we're basically just just uh, just squabbling over over details at this minute in time. But it, one one place that does interest me though, when we were talking about uh, the right wing back slots, and Josh Dacre's clock is coming. He's done very very well. But Luke Matheson made his debut on. Tuesday night against Salford. Now, we'd forgotten a little bit about him because he went to the B team, but he is a player who has got 60, 70 first-team games under his belt for Rochdale and, and a few other loan spells, went for a million pounds to Wolves, went, you know, had a couple of years at Wolves and, and had some, some terrible luck with injuries. But is he kind of a secret option? Is he is he another signing that we just forgot about? Yeah, and I, I think... <laughs> For a lot of people, and we said it on here, that you look at wing-back and think, well, where have we got cover? And I know the manager made a good point the other day when he said, actually, when you think about it, like Mendes Gomez, for example, can play in multiple positions, and yeah. we've got we've brought in players that can do that. I think um, Matheson is... Yeah, I think these players that have gone into the B team, you automatically assume, well, we won't see them for years. 
uh, which is right for a lot of them. But you think with Matheson, well, he, he's got a lot of EFL games under his belt, even at his age, and even the fact that he's, he's not been anywhere. We've not seen him for 18 months, two years. So I think the experience is there. Um, and it's probably best for him that it has gone under the radar a little bit because if you suddenly, if he was brought in as a first team signing, there's pressure on him just like there is pressure on Unlundalu and and the other uh, players that have come in. If he comes in on the B team, plays a few EFL trophy matches, and then might get on the bench in the second half of the season, suddenly it the mentality changes. It suddenly becomes as if he's like. A youth a team player, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah find or a youth team player, and he'll start. They'll start to be singing. He's one of our own kind of thing. Um, whereas if he just came in as a first team player, there's a different, men, different, you know, on it. So, um, yeah, I think he's like I, I, I like the look of him the other day. I think he's still raw. I think he's still getting uh, used to Bolton Wanderers. Um, but I think he's as a wing back who wants to get forward. I think he showed that the other day. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I, I like the look of Zach Ashworth as well. I, in the in the brief time I've I've seen him um, as a as a left side, and obviously we'll talk a little bit about Declan John in a bit, and because obviously he is now left, but it's it's him versus Randall Williams, who's another player. Actually, I was talking about players who've come on. Randall Williams has made a great start to the season, um, and he's looking very much in command of that left hand side. So, yeah, I, I think. The, the multi-functional aspect of the squad is important. It You know, everybody can play more than one position pretty much. Uh, Gethin Jones can play as a right wing back. Randall Williams can play as a right wing back. They, they've got players that can move around. The Magomas, uh, and particularly uh, Mendes Gomez, can play in pretty much all the different midfield options. And, and Gomez was inexplicably used as a right wing back to the day. Not sure that necessarily fits in, by the way, but hey, it's on his CV, so there we go. Um, the one thing, and I, I was actually talking to some of the Derby guys about this, and they were a little bit nonplussed about their transfer window, and they were saying, we're not sure whether we've made enough signings and whether or not we're really that much stronger than we were last season. Uh, but one of the guys made a good point, and I think it applies to Bolton as well, is that, you kind of you're building a squad here because it's what you need right now but it leaves scope to be able to go and sign players in January those players that are maybe coming out of contract those players you've got your eye on that are going to be too expensive now but it makes no sense stacking your team now and then having to deal with that in January you may as well kind of almost know what you need when you're going into January and just have that little you know icing or the cherry on top of the cake that you can put on that month if you're really going to be going for promotion um it makes maybe makes less sense to to stack your players now and have so much competition that it's going to cause problems for you you may as well use that that in january and halfway through your season just just push where you absolutely need it does that make sense yeah i i agree with that i think we have got to remember that um yeah we have got another transfer window and traditionally Bolton have, have done quite well in the January window. Yeah. So um, when, whereas a few years ago we were signing seven or eight players in January, you think at the moment, if things are going right, really they, they're only signing players who are championship players. Do you know, they, yeah. they'll be looking at that stage rather than we need to save our season. And, um, you know, I know we, we later on, we're going to discuss a few of the players that Bolton were rumoured at, 
to be buying in the uh, in in this window and never you know never happened. But um, Johnson Clark Harris on Dara said on the Hard Truth this week that he didn't manage to sell Johnson Clark Harris. But in January he said I'm going to get a similar bid for him of what I want because teams are desperate. You know, if you are on the cusp of the playoffs or promotion, you're like, we just need a little extra bit of goals. He said they're going to come in and try to sign Clark Harris, and I think that's the that's the the point where you just made there is that, and the Derby guys are saying is that, um, you know, you have to give scope for that. If you fill all your positions now and it doesn't work out, or you're just not quite there, where do you go? Suddenly you're having to get players out to bring them in, whereas if you've got space for one or two and you can go right. We'll sign this player. He'll score us ten goals. We'll get promoted. Give a million or whatever. Then you've got that scope then to do that. You may also be looking at players. Anybody that signs this season, you've got a whole year in League One ahead of you, and there's no guarantees that Bolton are going to challenge you at the top of the division. We hope they will. I think they will. But by January, you'll have a much clearer vision. If Bolton are in that top, I'll say top six, but I expect them to be potentially a bit higher than that by the turn of the year. If at that point in time you are confident as a club that you are going to be challenging at the top end, you might just push the boat out and say, for a Johnson Clark Harris, for example, or you may go and say, well, listen, we've got six months to get ourselves in the championship, attract a different type of player, somebody who thinks they're going to be playing in the championship next season, genuinely believes that. And you can get a better player also in January, Bolton have done quite well as you say to to pick up players who maybe are coming out of contract and, and loan them or maybe you get them for that slightly less transfer fee uh so yeah i i, I understand the logic it, it's not about splurging everything all at once I, I i think there is a longer game being played here and maybe some of those the foreign aspects as well is another one that we we talked about it will only be january and probably beyond that bolton really starts uh drilling down and mining the the foreign market that they're going to be maybe looking into with the work permit rule changes. So it, it makes sense to me in my head to leave yourself with a few options uh, for the future. But um, let's have a look at some of the options that were right here right now, because I believe they will be mentioned in our headline section this week, Henry. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so uh, let's talk about uh, some of those players that. Uh, well, let's look have a look at deadline day. One or two players that Bolton were rumoured at, and then uh, other sales going on that could affect Bolton. So we mentioned Clark Harris there. Um, there were rumours around when Dion Charles was was apparently going to go to Stoke or Watford uh, that we were then going to go right. We'll have that money and spend it on Clark Harris. Um, hmm. And I believe well. I, Dara said on his podcast that, uh, well, he, he said there were a few teams in for Clark Harris, never mentioned Bolton, but he mentioned others, including Wrexham, which he said the, uh, I mean, that would have, if Wrexham would have signed Clark Harris, then geez, that would have, uh, I'd have, I think that would close the betting on the League Two uh, Championship odds. <laughs> um, but uh, he never mentioned Clark Harris, he mentioned a few other clubs, and Bolton have also said that no, they were not in for Clark Harris. Yes, I mean uh, the, the the big thing here is is Peterborough. Of I think for there was a pie chart of all the press that has been done over Johnson Clark Harris, it would be dominated by the blue of Peterborough with a tiny slice of other clubs. Like, are we really in for him? Because 
from way back when Barry Fry first opened his gob about it to obviously Darren's got his podcast that so you do so well. It's really well produced, Henry, I must say. Um, oh, you. <laughs> uh, you know, Alan, uh, who's the sports editor over at Peterborough, I know very well, uh, he um, has, has done several articles uh, about, about Clark Harris and the potential links elsewhere. So, I mean, it feels to me that a lot of it has been self-perpetuated, this, these transfer chases. Now, certainly Bolton were offered him last summer. Um, I don't think it's gone anywhere beyond that. As, as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I don't think he's the type of player that Bolton wanted in terms of they ask different stuff of their strikers. Clark Harris is a different type of player. He wants... You know, he's, he's, he's a bit more physical. He doesn't necessarily do as much chasing and pressing. You can have your arguments about style or, or till the cows come home. That's just the way Bolton play. It's pointless having somebody like Clark Harris to throw on. He's going to be somebody that wants to start games. And from what I understand, we were talking £800,000 to sign him. Now, in Bolton budget terms, that's as much as they've spent this summer, if, if not more. Than they've spent this summer on one player um and is he 28 29 clark harris i i would question whether or not you are necessarily getting that much for him at that stage of his career personally um good luck to him peterborough do great business they you know their transfer model is 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 exemplary i think at this level um but it would take a desperate club for me and Bristol Rovers appeared to have been that desperate club. Uh, they didn't. They they looked like they managed to get something. I think Bristol Rovers, if I, if if my research is right, I'm sure they've got some sort of Middle Eastern backer um, that that wanted the wanted the signing. Didn't get the paperwork done in time. Um, what happens in January? I don't know. But if they stay with that price tag, I'd be I'd be bloody amazed if anybody goes for it. Yeah, I think, uh, well, Darren, he did confirm on the hard truth that it was about 800 grand with add-ons as well to take it over a million. But, um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think for where Bolton are, do I, I think Clark Harris could work up front with Dion Charles. I think that could be something. You I think you need someone around him who is going to run and, and close people down. And um, But then you, you can't, Dion Charles is a number nine. I know he's not actually our number nine, but he's a number nine. Clark Harris is a number nine. And I can't, I don't think you need, you can have two number nines fighting for, you know, I think Blake and McGinley was an anomaly, to be honest. I think we, we were successful with that, with two guys that were at the lead strikers. I don't think that works other than that. Um, you kind of need, I, I mean, Adebayo is a bit like that, but, you know, Dion Charles is the main man. I don't think you can have two main man. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think it would work for Bolton. Um, again, twenty nine. You you bring in Clark Harris for that money as a. He's uh, kind of like when Van Persie went to United. You bring in someone in who'll score. You, he will score you nearly thirty goals a season, but you're only getting that for a few seasons, and then you've got to move. I don't think there's much of a sell on value there with him. No. Uh, no. I mean, even Peterborough, I think they signed him for about 800. I might be wrong with that, but I think they signed him for that much and they're going to sell him for that much. So that shows that he's not re he's not going to go for Ivan Tony level of money. So um, 
So yeah, I think uh, for Bolton, it's not really part of what we're trying to do at the moment. But then for a Bristol Rovers, I think a, play a team that is on the cusp of the playoffs, I'd probably put them in that sort of bracket Ish, between. Yeah. yeah, I think he he could he would get them in the playoffs. So it works for them. Um, and it, it, like you said, it is a lot of money at, at League One level. You couldn't you couldn't preach sustainability, or even I mean sustainability is all very relative outside the Premier League and I'm not too sure it's necessarily the right word to use um, but you, you couldn't potentially even hint that your club is sustainable if you are spending £800,000 on Johnson's Clark Harris knowing that you are not going to get that money back uh, it would be lunacy uh, and then of course there's the whole tactical argument as well no not for me Clive next headline yeah I will uh, I will say as well that I don't think Bristol Rovers owners are listening to this podcast. If we, if they were, then I might uh, <laughs> we might uh, just I think Dara would kill me the fact that he's he'd be like you're costing me eight hundred grand, but I don't think they would be listening to this. Um, uh, just a, a quick one. Just to, are we going to talk about uh, another thing that came up on deadline day? But just a quick one, I guess, for Bolton's just to round off Bolton's summer window. I think what's important to remember as well is that all of these players that Bolton were linked with and never got, the lad from uh, uh, St Mirren, the lad who... Bacchus. Yeah, Forrest Green who went to Derby. Wilson, yeah. Um, none, of the, none of them have gone and gone. It's kind of like the ones that we were linked with and haven't got, they've hardly gone on to, like... I don't know, they've hardly gone on to... A rival club and hit the ground running. Mm. You know, like I think we've got the players we wanted, or really wanted. We've probably got so, or they they might have not been reported and gone to the championship or something. So I think that's important to remember as well. Yeah, I think obviously Wilson went ended up at, at Derby. I think his uh, journey back is still a long one. I think he's, he had a bad injury and I think it's it's going to take him a while to get back to where he was. I think he will do in the end, but Bolton needed somebody for the here and now. I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's only played three or four times for Derby this season, hasn't exactly hit the ground running. Um, I think he will get he will get back, but for for what was being charged and for the, for the concerns over fitness as well, I think that one was best swerved. Bacchus, I mean, it's as clear as mud, really, because everybody was, you know, deciding there was a different reason for that not working. The player said, if Bolton wanted me, they would have come and got me. I probably agree with that in the end, because if they thought he was that good that they could splash out and do it, then they probably would have done. But ultimately, he's playing at St. Mirren still. We shall see in the future. Maybe he's one to revisit. Who knows? Uh, stranger things have definitely happened. Mendes Gilmers, for example, uh, has ended up at Bolton um, and they could have had him for free. He wrote, wrote him for a trial when he was 18 years old and Bolton told him no. Go figure. Uh, so uh, it, it does happen. You know, transfers come around. Um, there was the German guy as well that got linked, uh, Flick, uh, who never had anything to do with Bolton whatsoever. And yet it seemed to uh, be be bouncing around the, the rumour mill quite a bit. So it's been a strange summer. It's been a strange summer. They have had a few misses. They have had a few uh, more complicated deals than we've seen recently. But that's because they're actually in a better financial position now. People knew they had money and that was always going to cause a bit of an issue for them. They The whole bond thing was was so public and so uh, well perceived to be so successful 
that I do think budgetary wise it did cause complications when you sat down and, and did deals and we've seen since they've invested just as much in the transfer market as they have in their own squad and, and solidifying that squad, making sure the Dion's, you know, Thomason, a few other few other deals of, of their their players are well contracted. Everybody's happy. It's a it's a quite a solid state of affairs now. Yeah, it is, and I think that's we we didn't mention it before. Based, you know, saying it, have the have the better office window than last, and I think that's important to remember that you it's all right bringing in players for three hundred grand or whatever, and, and you know these marquee signings, well, for Bolton marquee signings, but you have got to keep the players at the club happy, and the the likes of. Uh, George Johnston and Geffen Jones and Rico Santos and Dion Charles, you know, these players that have a spine of our team, you've got to keep them happy. You can't be bringing players in on championship wages and then not rewarding the players that have got you there. So I think it's been quite smart for Bolton to, um, you know, to, to acknowledge that and get these players. George Thomason as well still drives his Fiesta or whatever he drives. Uh, <laughs> like I saw him get... Yeah, I saw him get into that the other day after the derby game. It made me smile. So, uh, yeah, no, it's very good. Um, right, just to round off deadline day then, um, in terms of, of the the minor headlines that you had to talk about, um, first of all, we've got Rob Holding's sell-on fee. Now, this mm. has been brought up many windows as Arsenal have been looking to... He's never really settled, has he, in the Arsenal team. So he's he's kind of been one of those who could go every window. He's now gone. He's gone to Palace. Uh, are Bolton in line for any money? I know Ken Anderson kind of waved a bit of that at some point. Yeah, so th- just to explain the backstory, Bolton did cash in on his appearance money. Uh, they, w- they were due a payment on uh, how many games he played for Arsenal, plus also international appearances in the future when they sold him for £2 million quid, uh, back in 2016. Um they did cash in on that. Arsenal gave them a little bit of money. And so that, that clause was written out. But there was a clause in there that Bolton would do what I have been described as a small percentage of any profit that Bolton, that Arsenal made on him. Now, that is the key word, profit, because they paid, we think, just over £2 million for Rob Holden back in the day. There was a lot of controversy over that figure. It was a low one. Um, it was a low one, but it did leave the gate open for that profit to be, uh, you know, uh, for taking in later on in the day. And obviously, you would have expected Rob Holden at the time, an England under-21 international, seemingly destined for great things, to make a lot more money down the line. Sadly, we're looking, you know, several years later, and it looks as if the, the deal that Crystal Palace put was at maximum two million pounds up front. So there's no profit uh, with some added on extras. Now, as things stand, I've had no confirmation that those added extras will bring Bolton anything at all. So I think, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be a bit of a fruitless one. Um, I am checking out a few more avenues at at the minute, but it's uh, it's not looking good at the minute. And that's a, a real shame because... I mean, there's a there's probably a time where where Rob Holding could have been seven eight million pounds, and Bolton could have cashed into to some of a couple of hundred grand, and and that would have been nice to put in the back pocket. But I don't think that's happened. Mm, yeah, it's uh, it would have been nice. I think I, again, it's all about the um, 
you know, it's all about the the context of um, you know of the situation. Mm. As nice as it would be now, that a bolter, if it was a, if it was a player that football ventures had sold and then gone on and um, had a great career, and then they got sold for sixty million in the Premier League, then yeah, you'd be a bit upset. But this one. He was sold years ago. The club's moved on. We're not as desperate now. For the case of, of whatever it'll be like, I don't know, it could, it could be 200 grand. As nice as that is, it's not really going to change much of the club. Mm. So I think it's all about the context of what, what we find ourselves in. And as well, I think the, the way the club's going, I can imagine at some point in the next few years, we will sell a player for you know to higher up who then, so we'll start getting percentages of transfer fees like Peterborough, do, you know, they do very well and like other clubs do very well. So I think for me, it's not really, I don't think Sharon Britton, as much as she'd love to have a, a couple of hundred thousand put in the bank account, I don't think she's she's staying up at night thinking what if on this one. Let's have another headline. Um, so two players did leave. It didn't yeah. happen until 10 to 11, <laughs> unfortunately for you. <laughs> on deadline day but uh, the first one was Kieran Sadlier now they, they cancelled his contract I assumed he was going to Leighton Orient because they kind of teased a, a transfer coming in at the same time yeah. wasn't to be he's now gone to Wickham uh, which I think will be a really good signing for and a, a good place for him and a good signing for them I think he'll do well out of it yeah no I agree I think the way that Wickham play they need people to, to feed from the wider positions don't they and, and they're, they're good with set pieces and, and put a lot of crosses into the box. So I can see, sadly, uh, I don't think formation-wise uh, it's necessarily done in many favours, but I can see the kind of the style of play being a good one for him. Maybe he needs to grow a couple of inches. But um, the the problem, I mean, we like you, I think the noises that we were hearing from Leighton Orient, the director of football had been interviewed down there, we talked about bringing sadly back. The... The, the noises we even hearing on transfer deadline day was that they did want Sadlier, but they were struggling to agree a financial package. There were a couple of other clubs involved. I think Cambridge United were one of them. Um, obviously, Wickham were one of them as well. So what Bolton decided to do was just basically help Sadlier and give him a few more options, maybe a little bit more time to make his decision up. So they came to an agreement on his contract and made him a free agent, a bit like back in the day when Phil Morace did the same at Bradford and then had a couple of days to speak to Bolton and, and get that sorted. Thank you very much. Our postbag could be called something very different nowadays if that deal had never happened. I wonder what it would be called. Um, the, the Liam Feeney postbag. <laughs> yeah, the Liam Feeney postbag. I mean, you know, it, most weeks it turns up, but, you know, sometimes, it, sometimes the emails don't get there. They just sort of bounce back. It's a... <laughs> We never really know. Every every one in three, maybe, we, we do a post-bag if it was the Lampini post-bag. Um, but yes, Sads, uh, I, I, I wish him well. I think he was a really, uh, really decent lad, a good player. He, he, he left the club the right way. It looks like his training was top class right up to the end. Um, I think Leighton Orient messed him around a little bit in the end, which is a bit sad, really, because I think that would have been probably... Uh, the best move for him in terms of going back to that neck of the woods. But I think Wickham is a good one. And uh, and I hope he does well there, except for when he plays Bolton. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, good trainers, 
Um, I guess that moves <laughs> us on to Declan John, which obviously I'm not privy to what goes on on the training ground, so I may be doing him a disservice, but having heard what Ian Everett said a few weeks ago, I think it's a different uh, a different goodbye. Well, he's, I suppose he's only going until January, so it's a ta-ta for now to Declan John. He's gone to Salford. Mm. Um, I think this could be a, a... When we talk about good moves, I think this would be a good move for Declan John because it is still local. Salford are a good team. Um, do I see Declan John coming back in January? I don't. If he has it, I think he, he can, I can see him going out back out on loan again. Um so yeah, the the Declan John saga looks like it's finally ended at Bolton. Yes, I don't know what goodbyes in Welsh. I, I I should know it really, but uh, uh, anyway, I'm sure somebody will tell me. Um, yeah, I, I think Declan John knew the writing was on the wall once they'd brought in uh, Zach Ashworth and, and were looking to to get him done permanently. Uh, Randall Williams has started really well, as we said before. I, I just didn't see any any way back into the team, really. Um, I don't think speculating on what he was training like is necessarily helpful, but he certainly wasn't, like, sadly, a kind of, like, name-checked every time as, as to how well he was training and what his attitude was like. So, he kind of, maybe you read between the lines, I don't know. But uh, I'm with you. It's not a bad move to Salford. Declan was great in that League Two campaign when he came into Bolton. He was trying to prove himself all over again. He's probably back in that boat now. I can fully see that move turning permanent in January or you know being extended into the end of his contract at Bolton. So I'm not too sure we will see him in a, in a Bolton shirt again. There are a lot of Bolton fans out there that rate Declan John. A lot of people that think that Bolton are missing a trick by letting him go and we will only really see in the fullness of time whether that that is true or not. But I think the results this season with, with Randell, I think he has surpassed him, in my opinion. Um, I think he deserves to be the left-back at the minute and, or the left-wing-back. And uh, uh, Declan needs football at that stage of his career. I think that's that's the bottom line, really. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't see Declan John being a man who's going to get to the byline and, you know, but it, it, not in the same way Randall Williams does. So uh, yeah, I think we'll we've moved on. Just defensively, that's the bottom line. And let's let's call a spade a spade. It Randall Williams is a better defender than Declan John, in my opinion. Uh, uh, and and I think honestly, Zach Ashworth, from what I understand, could well be a better defender than Declan John as well. You have to be a defender as well as 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 having all the the attacking attributes. And and occasionally we've found that Declan John has been wanted on that front. That's the bottom line. Yeah, very much so. So, uh, good luck, Declan, at Salford. Um, and, yeah, like I said, he will be remembered fondly for uh, the moments he had in, in a Bolton shirt. But I think we've... we've the goal at Mansfield. On. Let's remember him for the goal at Mansfield. That was the one. Yeah. Um, a man who could uh, give you your answer, actually, to what he's goodbye in Welsh, and not just because he's playing for them at the moment, because he is Welsh, so you'll <laughs> probably know anyway, uh, is Josh Sheehan. Um, he's been uh, speaking ahead of playing for Wales hopefully mm-hmm. in their qualifiers and uh, he's been saying that uh, we have to do it our own way at Bolton yeah I, I think going back to that point we made earlier about physicality and and the teams that that, that try and knock Bolton out of their stride that is obviously the game plan for anybody that wants to play against Bolton and wants to try and disrupt them that's that's the way to do it it's not as easy if Bolton are actually on their game and, and playing at a tempo that makes it difficult. If they, if they move the ball around, if they work and match you for, for running and, and for intensity, then, hey, 
there's some good footballers in that midfield. There really are. And, and don't underestimate what a good footballing team Bolton actually are. Um, that's the game they want to play. If they can make that into a pure football game, then I've got every every hope that they have got as much as anybody else in this division, if not more. Um, so, you know, if, if, if that's if that's the way forward and that's the way Josh Sheehan feels that it should be the way forward, that they that's that's the lesson they learned from that Wigan game, um, then all power to their elbow. Because I think if, if Bolton can just heed that, that they need to be absolutely 100% from minute one, they can't start like they did against Wigan. They can't go 3-0 down um, and expect to still be in games. It's not good enough. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, he said a lot. Good luck, good luck to him in Wales. I'm really glad to see him back in that in that team. Looks like he's going to have a chance against South Korea. We're talking that game's tonight. Um, and uh, Jurgen Klinsmann might be in trouble if he loses that one as South Korea boss. Um, but uh, how weird Jurgen Klinsmann as boss of South Korea. It's like being foot, on football manager. I was just thinking that, yeah. Um, I, although a lot of stuff on football manager is... Um... When when I played it years ago in Championship Manager, where you'd look and go, that would never happen. I think a lot more of that stuff is happening now. Yeah. Um, you know, so weird transfers and managerial appointments and stuff. Um, but we're not here to talk about uh, Football oh, Manager. Actually, yes, we are. Do you know what? I've wanted to ask this question for ages. Anybody that plays Championship Manager, anybody that plays Football Manager, has Bolton Wanderers ever had a decent player? Because I can't remember in the, the history of my life playing Championship Manager, and I've played them all, there being a really world-class, maybe Zach Clough in one of the, when he first broke through was, was one of these wonder kids, but very rarely do they get given a decent, I want to know, Championship Manager, Football Manager programmers, why do you hate Bolton? Yeah, Bolton never do well, like, I, I was very rarely Bolton on Football Manager or Championship yeah. Manager, um, but they never do well, do you know, when you're looking from afar, they always seem to get relegated or they've just mid-table if you just one. leave it if you just just play the game you can guarantee bolton will sink there is a there is a hatred there i think the collier brothers uh back in the day just hated bolton and whoever is in charge now miles uh of her name name escapes me yeah, um yeah. just hate bolton yeah uh, there we go football manager hates bolton um, I don't even know who made well, if they'll make it themselves. It used to be, was it IDOS back in the day? Yes, it was back in the day. Yeah. City, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so moving on to modern day Bolton, who are doing very well. Um, Luke Matheson, we talked about him before. You had a, a very interesting chat with him the other day, and uh, I think it was I watched the chat he also did with the club after the Salford game. And mm. to say he's a very young guy, I think he's got a very mature head on his shoulders. Absolutely. Uh, I've really been looking forward to talking to Luke because a few of the people I know from Wolves have done pieces with him and, and some of the local journalists who dealt with him at Rochdale has have always been really complimentary about the way he puts himself across. Uh, you know, the, the stuff he brings up in interviews, he's very, very honest. And so I was looking forward to getting the chance to, to pin him down and say, you know, what has happened the last couple of years? Um, well, I'm going to let the words speak for themselves because this is Luke Matheson. A few years, people will look and say, well, he hasn't gone according to plan. What what kind of... Was it the injuries, really, that they've done yet? I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't work out at Wolves yeah. just because of an injury, because that would be me lying to myself and me lying to people. You know, mm. whatever reason it was, you know, it wasn't one thing, it wasn't another thing. Yes, the injuries, obviously, you had two season engine injuries. That's going to play mm. a part in development. But I'm not saying that that's the sole reason why things didn't work out and, mm. you know... I didn't progress the way I probably should have, but uh, like I said, I'm here now. 
it's almost like I've just pressed reset on everything and I'm more than happy here, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I, I feel like I don't, ha I don't have an ego, you know, it's not, I'm not offended that I'm playing in the B team, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I'm enjoying my football. Like I said, I just want to play games. Um, so yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I can't sit here and tell you, oh, it was the injury, it was this, it was that, the other, that why things didn't work out with Wolves, various loans, some were better than others, etc, etc. But yeah, football's a mad, mad game. Um, <laughs> I'm more than happy here. Uh, yeah, I, and hopefully I can just continue to play football and enjoy it. Yeah, it's quite a refreshing attitude because I mean, ultimately, you know, it's easy to look for excuses sometimes when you're when you're a footballer because it's your livelihood. You know, you, you've got to try and maintain that sort of control on it. But you you seem like you're you're happy to to make that restart at Bolton. Yeah, like I said, I came through the ranks at, at Rochdale, which is was a similar level to yeah. you know League One with with Bolton. Now, um, I've always been kind of like. It's. I feel. I feel like it's a privilege to play this football. You know, mm. play this sport every single day. Like my friends would give up anything mm. to be in the position that I am, and I'm forever grateful that I get to wake up and be a professional footballer. So wherever that may be, mm. you know, whether it's starting in the Premier League, captain in England in the World Cup, or it's I don't know, playing for Bolton B team every week, I'm still a professional mm. footballer. Mm. Obviously, you want to reach the heights of the, of the profession, but I'm just. You know, I'm just happy that I'll never take it for granted. That kind of thing. Mm, that's interesting. And do, do you look back with any sort of regret on on the way that it has worked for you? Would you do anything differently if you you could press that sort of button and go back? Or uh, I wouldn't say this. You know, there was like a moment where all my all my days that when yeah. that happened, that's why it all went wrong. Kind of thing. Obviously, I you know I did, I did both my ankles, my knee, my hamstring, mm. uh, two surgeries in a month. Kind of thing. If I could undo all the injuries, and you know, if injuries were never in football, I'd wish mm. that that was a possibility. I'd undo that kind of thing um, but I wouldn't say you know there's one thing I would undo um, kind of thing but like like I said it's sort of, uh, I'm just press that reset button um, lots of people like to compare me to the old you know like 15 16 year old I've, like, mm. I've matured since then I'm a different person I'm a different player obviously I want to reach the heights that I did reach but I've said it before if you know my playing against United at Old Trafford if that's the peak of my career then something's gone wrong if that yeah. makes sense well that's it and sometimes you pay for breaking through so early that that's what people remember oh, and, yeah, and actually yeah. you're still developing as a player yeah like, like like I've almost accept my per, my expectations and I need to meet that week mm. and I'm not saying that they're too high <laughs> in any, any, any means necessary you know mm. Uh, I'm probably too hard on myself sometimes and beat myself up for little things mm. um, but yeah like I said I'm just grateful that I'm playing. You know, I'm not in the, on a physio bed anymore. I'm, I'm waking up and actually going to train mm. and play football every day. Yeah, I think he he was just uh, straightforward, very honest. It's been been a rough couple of years for him. He's not blaming anything, but he's absolutely delighted to press the reset button at Bolton. And and as you said before, he's he's out the limelight a little bit in the B team, and it gives him just a little bit more scope to do it properly. And and it's it's almost like starting again. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does because um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of thought about him in his early days at Rochdale. I say early days in Rochdale. It was early days in his life as well. <laughs> he was talking um, to me like, oh, I was 15 or 16 when I broke through. I'm like, 15? Can you imagine? Unbelievable. Wow. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, he's one of those. I think with with players like that, it is a shame when they then go by the wayside a little bit and it, hopefully he can come back. I think this is the perfect club for him. If he, if he does well, this is the perfect club for him because it's local to him. It's a big club in the area. He's, um, you know, he already knows the likes of 
uh, Aaron Morley, and it was was did Mendes Gomez play at Rochdale or am I? No, you're dreaming. You dream. oh, he probably, he probably Mendes, wrote Men- he wrote to Rochdale and asked for a trial, did. but they said no. I'm, I'm thinking of um, that. Fellow. AI David Johnson. club for him so hopefully it can he can work out and um you know and he, he can be really challenged that sort of fullback position so uh yeah good start for him the other day i'm sure he'll now be looking to play in more and playing against united under 21s and maybe away at stockport so we'll have to wait and see mm, okay we've got a final headline yeah and uh wanderers have you undisputed clean sheet kings now under well yeah nobody's got more clean sheets in 2023 than bolton wanderers uh, I'm pretty sure I saw another stat that nobody had actually won as many games in 2023 as Bolton Wanderers, but uh, that is unsubstantiated. Don't take that as fact. Uh, according to PlaymakersStats.com, uh, Bolton Wanderers have taken 19 clean sheets in all competitions, which puts them ahead of Ipswich Town on 18, Lincoln on 17, Manchester United on 16, Burnley and Gillingham tied for fifth on 15. So the old adage that you build from the back... Well, you don't really necessarily build from the back anymore, do you? Uh, 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 yeah, the the first thing that comes out of anybody's mouth is it's a team game and everybody defends. And I probably think that's true of Bolton because I would be amazed if any striker in the division makes as many challenges or you know goes into as many duels as as Dion Charles. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I think the instead of building from the back, you play from the back now. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, I think yeah, Big Sam always said you you get a clean sheet, you're guaranteed a point. So it's good, uh, it's a good place to uh, to build from. And um, you know, I think I think so far, you know, I, I kind of joked at the start of the season that all the fir- the League Two season we didn't concede many, but we didn't score many. Then the first season League One we scored loads, but conceded loads. Last year we didn't concede many, we didn't score as many as we would have liked. So. I was worried that this year we were going to concede loads, but still score loads. And uh, this year we're just going to just going to just going to declare at three every single game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it got to three against Fleetwood, I was like, just score another goal, and I didn't mean <laughs> Fleetwood. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's going well so far. The, the defense looks settled, and we do, we do look a very settled team. And I know there's moments like against Wigan and um, and then the last five minutes against Middlesbrough and whatnot but I think on the whole we do look quite settled especially at the back so yeah don't surprise me that we are the undisputed clean sheet kings of 2023 yes yes it's got a good it's got a good ring to it I think we'll stick it on a, a t-shirt somewhere possibly um, right okay I'm going to have to apologise for those who have sent in emails this week because we're just running over a little bit and I promise we'll have a bumper e- email back we're going to need one next week because there won't be any football to talk about so uh, we've got a couple, uh, particularly people, a little bit disappointed with the digital revamp. We will tackle that next week and, and get a, 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 an answer from the club exactly what's happening there. So let's finish things off with our blockbuster. It's A.I. Duke Johnson. Every week we go and 
talk to our old mate ChatGPT uh, to to come up with something that, that us mere human mortals can't. And more often than not, it's absolute nonsense. Uh, but do you know what? This week, he's done all right. He's done okay. Um, we asked him to come up with a pitch for a Bolton Wanderers film. So have a listen to this, Henry, and, and see what you think about it. Because I, I, I'm... I'm really engrossed in it, I have to say. I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm casting it. So here we go. Uh, it's called Wanderers United, A Tale of Triumph. Now, I wouldn't want to put United in there, if I'm honest, but we will. Wanderers, A Tale of Triumph. Genre, sports drama. In the gritty heart of Bolton, a once great football club teeters on the brink of extinction. Wanderers United follows the remarkable true story of a group of passionate fans, determined players and an unconventional, unconventional coach who defies the odds, rekindling the spirit of community through the beautiful game. It's quite nice, isn't it? Nice, nice little log line. Uh, the synopsis, here we go, I'll just, uh, just read you through. Where Bolton Wanderers, a once prominent football club, has fallen on hard times. Financial woes, declining performance and a lack of fan engagement threaten its very existence. In the midst of this despair, an unlikely group of heroes emerges. Meet Tom Harrison, a dedicated Bolton resident and a lifelong Wanderers supporter. He's a middle-aged accountant who decides to put everything on the line for his beloved club. Tom rallies his fellow fans and forms a grassroots movement to save the club from bankruptcy. Enter Sarah Williams, a brilliant but unorthodox coach who's never managed a men's team before. She's brought in an elastic effort to turn the club's fortunes around. Her unique coaching style blending psychology and unconventional tactics immediately clashes with the traditionalist football establishment. The players, a motley crew of ageing veterans and young upstarts, must put aside their differences and egos to embrace Sarah's vision. Through a series of emotional highs and devastating lows, they form an unbreakable bond and discover the true meaning of teamwork. How can you not like that? That sounds incredible. I would watch that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, the name needs tweaking, but um, yeah, that sounds... And it, it could be real life as well. It could be loosely based on a true story. It could be loose, very, very, very loosely based on a, on a true story. Uh, Sarah Williams, a brilliant but unorthodox coach who's never managed... It's got a bit of like Bend It Like Beckham-esque genre-defying kind of stuff, I suppose. But yeah. um, who who he, who he cast as Sarah Williams? That, I've got to be honest, um, Sarah Lancashire for me, she's in. Yeah, yeah, I can kind of see Sarah Lancashire. Kind of seems like a Emma Hayes, the Chelsea manager. Kind of yeah, yeah. So I, w I did think her. I would go yeah, Sarah Lancashire because we've seen her in Happy Valley. She doesn't take no no crap from anyone. So yeah. <laughs> right, how who we who we casting as Tom Harrison, a dedicated Bolton resident and a lifelong Wanderers supporter. Um, did have to be, did have to be local. Hmm. Sort of Lancashire, Greater Manchester kind of area of actor. I've just Googled famous actors from Bolton. He's got Sajid Mahmood, who played like cricket for Lancashire. <laughs> He's having Carl's cousin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, well, maybe we could put this out to the uh, to our great listeners. Who would play the, this character, this Bolton? Who would play a Bolton fan um, in a film? I don't think it has to be. I don't think it has to be local necessarily. Um, I mean, you know, we could, we can. Personally, I think you, you define the, the genre stuff again, and you put Maxine Peake in there. And, yeah, that's true. 
you know, it doesn't have to be a, a bloke who's who's the the accountant and uh, and the traditional Bolton fan. Stick Maxim Peak in there, absolutely fantastic uh, uh, actor, and I think that'd be I think that'd be marvelous, marvelous. Uh, Ruth Madeley as well, Bolton Bolton Wanderers fan. Doesn't even I mean literally, the script written for her. Doesn't even need to. And yeah, she she'd be fantastic. She'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm basically now thinking of Phoenix Knights actors. Uh, Steve Edge. Uh, he yeah. did a he did a show where he was a a Bolton fan. I'm sure he did years ago. Um, what was it? I think he he's, he. Uh, his son was uh, I think his son wanted to play for Bolton a summer and he was a Bolton fan so maybe he could do it like I do think you've got to have someone who is uh, Ruth Madeley might be good um, you know someone who's willing to they need to be able to shout like shout at I'm thinking the opening scene is that Bolton go 2-0 down at home to Burton Albion and they've got to be able to shout and yeah and go, this is rubbish um, uh, the so cut it was a mockumentary the, yes. the Steve Edge one was called the Cop. Yeah, I do remember it actually. In fact, do you know what? Talking with a with a female manager, there was actually back in the late eighties or like early early nineties, there was a a program called the Manageress, uh, and and the Manageress was uh, Sherry Lungy at the time. It was all a little bit kind of ITV. Well, it's very dated now, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, but that's uh, that was actually a thing. Not not for long. They didn't last long, but I'm sure they've they've kind of done this before. So we'd have to be careful legally if we're going to be doing this. Uh, but I think this I think I think there's definitely some scope to do this one. Let's yeah, uh, uh, let's uh, let's put it out there. We're pat and pending, by the way. This is our idea. We're putting a, this is live screenplay writing now. It is. Uh, it's the Bolton version of Ted Lasso right now. <laughs> uh, Sally Lindsay, I think, would be a good. Uh, a great shout as well yeah, great so. shout yeah well, there's definitely. a few names if anyone can add to that then get in touch we need uh, and we also need uh, some casting for the the local podcast that provide the kind of the nar- narration through through the whole thing um, so yeah we will uh, we'll, we'll accept some um, some voice actors for myself and Henry yeah uh, I've uh, I got told I've been told off a few people I look like Tyrone from Coronation Street so uh <laughs> There's maybe which is is strange because my my wife works with him, so uh, she has to see him every day and then come home and see me. So I well, he, he actually went to my brother's primary school, um, so I've seen him try and do four hundred meters on a sports day. He did not complete it. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Okay, right. Uh, I think that is <laughs> that's enough. That's enough for this week. That's that is enough for this week. Um, that's enough of the buff that is enough of the buff it's all we've got time for this week um so please join us again next friday uh, with your screenplays with your casting calls with uh, with your championship manager memories with as many emails as you can possibly throw at us because we're going to need stuff to uh, to to pad it out next week probably but uh, please do join us for another episode and look forward to reading where nothing bad has ever happened ever before I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, I can't remember anything. Yeah. Uh, But do you know what? I think a bit of culture to finish us off. So uh, I'm not going to go for a poem. I'm going to go for a quote. Uh, And to finish us off, before me and Henry say goodbye, this is a quote from Kurt Cobain. He says, We have no right to express an opinion until we know all the answers. This has been The Buff. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.